Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jay Donovan. Aaron Cook. Jeff Fisher. Todd Novak. And special guest knob today. Tim Sicer. Calling from? Chicago, Illinois. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Land of Lincoln. Oh, yes. Illinois. Oh, yeah. Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we are super excited to have Tim on the line with us today. Um, he is the maker and purveyor of a very fine uh, instrument, um, and many of them uh, from low down bass. And we're going to get into what he's all about uh, pretty soon. Um, first and foremost, like we always do it, dude's stoked to be here. Dude, Duty. it's always good. Yeah, we're at the, we're at the end of our <laughs> end of our week this yeah. this week. Um, we've been really busy with all kinds of things, and just whap my face with a dang old microphone. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tim, let's like let's let's check with you first. Usually we we get into you know our business first, but you know that's not very polite. No. Why don't Why don't you tell us <laughs> what's going on in your music world this week? Of course, I would be happy to. I am coming off of a seven-set evening yesterday. Whoa. Um, I played uh, a jazz trio gig at the W Hotel downtown Chicago from Ooh. 4 to 8 p.m., and then immediately packed up and went to a gig at a kind of like speakeasy cocktail vibe called The Basement and played there from 9 to 1.30 in the morning. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, I was pretty wrecked by the end of that, needless to say. In my younger <laughs> days, I would do that and not even bat an eye and probably hang out drinking Maker's Mark till five in the morning. But uh, these days, I felt like I had been run over by a bus by the end of it. So, <laughs> I, wow. I, had, I had a blast playing. It was a lot of really enjoyable music. But um, having an instrument on for that period of time and being forced to do something thoughtful and creative is absolutely exhausting. So, yeah. But yeah, I've been. Uh, things have been relatively. I I do gig for a living. That's still kind of like my main deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this month has been a little slow, but that's mostly been by choice because I'm trying to live life like a normal person and go on vacation and go to bachelor parties and all that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> right on. Yes. That's awesome, man. Your yeah. fingers must be dying right now. Yeah, I was. You know, I'm feeling good today, but last night I was. Uh, I was definitely there was a couple moments when I couldn't believe what my fingers were actually doing. It's kind of I kind of hit a weird sort of uh, you know like plateau where my chops were just so going at that point in time that I was playing some really cool stuff. I was even kind of surprising myself. Nice. But, you know, you do something for six hours straight and that has a tendency to happen. So yeah, you, it's like the Marty McFly hand starting to disappear sort of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, this okay, is true. Yeah. yeah, this is true. Yeah, but it's that. Um, I think it's that special uh, time when you when you're doing something that uh, mo- I would say most of the time it's creative. Can be other things, I guess. Maybe like a, I guess it's the uh, equi- equated to maybe runners high or something where yeah, yeah, you forget what you're. You forget your body mechanics altogether. You you, it's a bit of an existential experience where you're just you're your motor skills are moving and your mind is a bit detached, but in, yep. a, in a, in a good, like totally in sync kind of Zen way. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I've had the opposite where my hand I know, attaches, I just, and I'm like, yeah. oh crap. <laughs> I had the opposite at about like one fifteen in the morning last night. I was just like, I'm done. I am done yeah. playing bass. Let's go home. Yeah, this is it. So, and then of course the singer decides to leave us walking off stage and leave us with play some James Brown. You know, so it's oh. like, okay, ask the hardest thing of me at the end of the night. Right. Wow. Thank you. Uh, now was this, I know you're in a band or, or at least you have a band posted, um, on your website, uh, snow country. Uh, yeah. So the band is called district 97. Okay. Um, and that's sort of, uh, uh, being a freelance musician, you have to kind of pick and choose your passion projects. And that's Mm -hmm. most certainly a passion project for me. It's, um, it's also a really excellent band and also very professional and, and very well respected in like the prog rock community okay so that makes a big difference but yeah i mean that was uh last night was more so just kind of like pick up uh you know a bunch of pro pro guys just getting together and kind of doing a job That's um cool. but that band is yeah it's definitely that band is really fun to be a part of right now because i feel like i'm i'm uh reconnecting with that early mentality of like i'm gonna be in a band and we're gonna have a band and we're yeah. gonna hit the road and we're gonna travel and we're just gonna play these songs and we're, we're gonna rehearse all the time and um so that's kind of more where that falls in the grand scheme of what i'm doing musically so is snow country the venue what did i where uh, did snow, i mess well, up on that the so the snow country is the tune that was the uh, oh, okay they just uh they just recorded a new album uh, I say they because I just joined the band in uh, like January, mm-hmm. right before we went on tour to Europe. Uh, their original lineup, the bass player and piano player who had been in the band for many, many years, the, the drummer in them had been in a band since like middle school. You know, they went right. way back. They grew up and got into some adult stuff and had kids and got married and all that. You mean so like they just triple X or <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean exactly? I, I mean, I, I don't know. How, I don't know these guys that well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they bounced and then uh, they had this European tour booked and uh, through the uh, scene in Chicago, uh, the drummer knew that I could execute the music because it's extremely uh, challenging musically to mm-hmm. do and especially learning that much material in three months or whatever. So uh, he hit me up to do it, and I was I was geeked out because That's I love awesome. the music. I'm a big like prog nerd and fusion nerd at heart. So okay, so nothing here, wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. we like that over here too. Nice. So I got a question for you. Um, yeah. And and it may just be that that folks today need a different label. All right, but yeah. um, I know that th- there is a bit of a resurgence in. Uh, like specifically non-vocal sort of, I guess you could say, prog. Uh, but I think it's mostly referred to as math. math. Yeah. So do you, as a person who is probably playing a lot of all of that, whatever you want to call it, um, is there is there a distinction for you there? I would say, I would say there is. Genre, genre labeling is so... I mean, it's something that has to be done because you want to organize things in your right. brain so you right. can make sense of them. And every, especially people who are not huge music, like musical listeners or musicians right. or whatever, they they need that even more. Um, I I think it just for me at this point in time, it just comes down to like, you know, is it a quality song? Is there a groove? Is there a good melody? You know, is the so- are the songs well written? You know, is there structure? Even mm-hmm. if it's really complicated, is you know, there's a lot of bands I would say more in the math scene that are 
playing complicated music for the sake of playing complicated music. Right. Okay. And and for me at this Not point in time, oriented. well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a groove, but maybe it's just it's more of like uh, flexing your muscles as opposed to just like. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like a lot of those bands, you know, they, they have tons of chops and the songs are complicated and rhythmically it's really dense. Yeah. But like I, I enjoy melody. I enjoy like harmony and song form and that kind of stuff and, mm-hmm. and contrast and dynamics. And, you know, that to me is really where uh, my interest level peaks in listening to music or in being part of a, a musical project. Right. So um, that's why I like District 97 a lot, too, is because and, and we actually got a lot of comments when we were on the road from people about this. And they say, you know, it's always like you guys play with so much balls and you groove hard or I really like your guys stuff because there's like melody and the songs are, you know, you remember the hooks. A lot of these prog bands, it's like you we toured with a band. I'll, I won't name any names, but we toured with a band. And by the end of the tour, hearing these guys literally every night for like eight nights in a row. And I didn't remember any hooks. I didn't remember any, you know, there was nothing that really stuck with me. Right. And I, I think that's important. And I think that's something that this band has. So, yeah. So wait, is that, do you have a theremin in the background or is that a cat? <laughs> a cat. Oh, that's a cat. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. She's, she's very, she gets very attention hungry. So uh, this, is she on auto tune or she just that... sings. Yeah. I mean, she's consistent. Her pitch is right. Yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> Um, cool. Well, thanks for sharing, man. Um, yeah, of course. How about, uh, Aaron, what do you got? Um, it's laid on us. It's guitar knobs related very oh, loosely good. because I, I'm kind of piggybacking on some, a pet project you're working on right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. <laughs> getting to know, about it? <laughs> I am getting to know WordPress. Oh yeah. Like, we're building a new site, everybody. What up? Yay. So yeah, here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna spill a little bit of the details for okay. for the everyone, mm-hmm. right? So we're doing a WordPress site. Yeah, and you had purchased a theme. No, or perc- you have acquired a free theme. Yes, but I'm working on a purchased one. Wait, didn't I just what? <laughs> I'm yeah. Did you I've been working theme? on a site for like two weeks now. So you're saying you didn't purchase one. I originally did not. But then you did. But then I am about to pull the trigger on a new one. Oh, okay. So anyway. Because, and this is is an interesting thing, I'm sure. um, This not only pertains to, I'm going to poke into what you're saying real quick. The reason that I'm doing that is that um, for, and this is relevant to other musicians, um, I was having difficulty finding a, a, good player that didn't require me to upload an mp3 which is non-trackable so Mm. i was looking for solutions for that but go ahead yeah so anyways i mean so you're coming in from a prefabbed theme Mm. i'm my i'm like i've been wanting to do this for years but it's okay start at the ground level let's Mm -hmm. let's go completely custom with wordpress so that's what i'm learning how to do and i've been uh Kind for of staying up late. Um, well, it's like Are I want to doing an adult site. Yeah, <laughs> be honest. It's triple X. Yes. Okay. Um, well, no. There's a couple of things I've, I've been wanting to do is actually get a site for my own personal music mm-hmm. that I write and record, and then also just like my professional portfolio and things like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's like I've always wanted to dive into He's WordPress. A real estate agent. <laughs> <So>. Yes. <laughs> 
Got to hustle. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that's what I've been doing. Okay, so cool. it's like even if you do purchase the theme. Oh, you're still like, I mean, there's limitations. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, hey, oh, we want to do Tons this. I know how. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So we'll um, we'll be talking a little bit more. But, yeah, I think we can expect to see a site up uh, within the within a, a couple of weeks, maybe maybe two tops, maybe less. Maybe um, more. Maybe more. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool. Okay, good. Music so, yeah. site. But that's a tricky thing. And I think there's a, um, you get into trouble specifically because if you go looking to try to do one of those, there there are theme houses that, that specify in quote unquote music. But man, the they're majority bad. of them, they're, they're terrible. They're, they're, they're bad. really yeah. terrible. So yep. that's a tricky thing. Ooh, I think we just found a new, uh, new job building some WordPress band site things. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jeff, what's I'm going all in. on, man? All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome you're, back, you're Jeff. You're with information. <laughs> you know, rain, rain it in, bro. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Amplifier <laughs> has a short <laughs> in it again. Oh. Okay. So remember that? amplifier that you borrowed a long time ago you had issues with it, it was yeah the pv crate crate sorry yeah oh well yeah go figure it's a yeah, crate yeah, that go explains figure. a lot nothing so, but the finest nothing but the <laughs> finest so that thing was that, like there's all kinds of problems with the solder and stuff like that on that board and it's happening again so oh, man and that's a pretty complex board as i remember you had uh, it repaired once right yeah it was just because all the solder joints start to come loose after a long period of time. I mean, is it in the back of a truck hot. or? No, it's just poor quality. Huh. Poor quality build yeah. and board, too thin and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was investigating that last night. and It's a nice today. looking amp. I mean, even as far as crates go. Stop trying to give it credit. It is. Yeah, I it, mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of got that old school, like, was, tweety look kind of thing to it. If there was one crate, that would be it. That's the one that people actually would actually buy. That's the crate of all crates. That's the crate of all crates. All right. It's a vintage Club 50. It's like... You know, EL34s. Sounds good. It's super loud. It's, you know, in its clean form, the distortion size is a little fizzy, but whatever. Yeah. I have no reason. It's got to, a lot of power. Yeah, super loud. Um, so it's a stupid issue with the foot switch, um, or the, sorry, the effects loop input jack has problems. It gets old, it gets crowed, it starts to break down. So either got to replace it with some new type of jack or make this little uh you should go to new cord. jack city to get those what's up oh, oh come on <laughs> great, <bro. laughs> oh. <laughs> i want to pull it apart and probably solder in a new jack yay that's exciting nice i they need just, you just did a really awkward reach out across all of our <laughs> Um, I need you to come over to my house, Jeff, not and, again. and look. <laughs> not again. And look at this Marshall that I have. We talked about this. Before. I know, but we actually need to do it. Okay. Same thing. It's like these old crappy amps. Yeah. Like, do we ever really need to fix them or use them? Well, I don't have <laughs> any equipment other than that amp, so it's like, and I've been wanting to actually play a little more pedal steel, so it's like I need, mm, I yeah. need that amp, so I'm not always having to rely on the computer just to be able to hear what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's do it. Fix that. Okay. How about you come to my house? 
<laughs> yeah. All right. That's no, the only crate <laughs> you'd want. Oh, that's it. Oh, we got to put a good picture. That we got to put that up on the on the. We're forum. looking at one of the old seventies crates where it's actually it's actually a, a wooden know. crate with a speaker <laughs> in it. The first original crate. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> when they actually made them in crates. Yeah. yeah. Original crate. That's awesome. Um, Jay, what's up with you? So Jay Donovan. So uh, Jay Donovan. Uh, what did. What did I do? I, I was I downloaded a new app called Four Track. It's not a, a new app. It's one that I've used a lot when I was just it's trying new to, to you. sketch out ideas. No, it's like I've had it before, and I. I so it's not a new app, and it's not new to you. It's an. <laughs> but it's, it's new. An app. It's an old app that I used to use, and I quit using it. And this weekend, you know, last over the last week, I was like, eh, I'm gonna download it again because I remember I always liked it because it. It's by Sonoma Wireworks. It's called Four Track. Yeah. And it's just like a super simple. It's like it reminds me of like old four track cassette four yeah. tracks. Oh, yeah. Like little task cams and stuff. Super easy to use. And I just kind of you can just sketch out some ideas real easily. And so I was using that to record some ideas and multi-track. So you plug into it? You can, but you can just just with acoustic. Oh, yeah. Just layer. Just you can mile. just like quickly layer. So yeah. was, that's the latest thing. I, that's the latest thing. That's interesting. I forgot about this app and I was like, oh, yeah, that thing exists. So I downloaded it again, and I remembered why I liked it. That was your uh, your little quest last week, or is it two weeks ago? You did the the show, got the juices flowing. Yeah, making create, some new music. You like the phone to, apps coming to your head. I mean, you work for TechCrunch. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I'm a. I like. Uh, yeah, I like little gadgets. Well, this one's cool because it it actually has a bunch of interfaces, physical interfaces. You can uh, physically digital get get for it. Plug into it. So yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see. <clears throat> All right. Um <clears throat> so that's it. <clears throat> Jay, are you done? Done. <laughs> done. So there's the interfaces. There's the physical Oh, there's interface. a physical interface. Yeah. You, you what, what did you think I nap? I'm like, What did you think I meant by physical interface? Well, when you I were said talking that. about an application, weren't you? A skeuomorphic user graphical user interface yeah. by, uh, in the app no, you're no, talking let me, a physical let me clarify by physical interface i meant a physical interface right <laughs> so, so we we all failed to make that leap when you were talking about a digital phone app right that the digital phone app that uses a physical interface <laughs> you somehow that wasn't that wasn't clear sorry about that guys i'll try to use tim you, some you other kind of words that, in, the, right? in the future i i caught the gist of it my question is how much does the physical interface cost how much does it cost <laughs> let's look that's a big one did you get that with one of your tests? i think that was a rhetorical question tim he wasn't really asking you <laughs> yeah <laughs> can i download the app and have the interface delivered to my house I think you can. That's the only you way you're going to get it in our store. <laughs> really, I mean, <laughs> for zero dollars. Yeah, one forty nine. One forty nine. Wow, that's the, that's the Studio why Jack why you Mini. Just buy a, a real one. A real you could. Thing. You probably could. <laughs> well, I know you can. There's Sorry, a I'm lot not trying of them to like. There. I'm not trying to poke holes in people's logic here. It's yeah, just, no, do it. I, he needs it. Yeah. The <laughs> thing. The thing is, is you don't need these to use that app. You can just use it as a. Just phone. Use the, right, phone and app. I plug in. Uh, I've got a mic, iRig mic. Yeah, it works fine. Too. You can nice. Use. I need to get one of those. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. 
<laughs> yeah. Ringing endorsement. Yeah. Pretty sweet, man. They're easy to use. I mean, it's like, seriously, it's got different it. patterns, three, a couple of different patterns for the mic. So. Sweet. Don't yeah. look at me like that, Todd. <laughs> I was just trying to think of, uh, I just remember, I forgot the movie, The Save Pedro. You know, uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, is it, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty skills. <laughs> Those chickens have large talons. Um. <clears throat> Todd. Hey, yeah. Oh, hey, what? Oh, what have hey. you been doing? Hey, I have been making a website. I've been testing like crazy. Oh, I was. Yeah, I've been doing the website. But anyways, um, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah. I've been uh, having super amounts of fun because we've got a guest coming on. Um, in an upcoming episode, uh, a local guy who, who uh, makes uh, pickups, and he's got a really awesome story uh, behind those pickups. And so we said, "Hey, um, you know, it's it's one thing to say, let us borrow your pedals, and we'll give them back. It's another thing to say, let us test your pickups, mm. which equals guitars." So he's like, "Yeah, man, here's like a whole bunch of guitars." So we're like, "Woo!" nice yeah so we're having fun with that and um i think the uh were these physical the... guitars or digital, <laughs> digital guitars? <laughs> no actually yeah. i already played one of them they were great um i thought you we know, were allowed to talk about it well, yeah, we i'm preempting it? the cat's out of the bag now I, well that's why i was going to use that one well you, all uh, right keep going yeah but you're doing keep going. you had your crate um so i'm not going to get into specifics i'm just going to say i've had fun testing a wide range of guitars and seeing so how they I. act to yes we all we are, well, actually right after this episode we're all doing another swap of all the guitars and our own personal guitars so that we're you know if if we're testing uh, uh something with p90s we have another p90 to test with etc etc cool so, yeah it's super cool super fun um so there's that and oh yeah, the other thing, damn. No, one thing. Remember? Well, no, the business is. A, I mean, it's a thing. It's not <laughs> oh, a, just a me thing. Breaking the it's, rules. It's everybody. I know. Oh, again, everybody After you chastise us for it. Exactly. <laughs> everybody can relate to this. Um, so, uh, I, I was excited because boring. Yesterday, <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> you bastard. Um, I, Aaron was like, "Hey, what are you going to talk about?" Uh oh. That's that microphone Damn, cable. We got to fix that microphone cable. Maybe we can use the, uh, <laughs> the rattlesnake cable to do that. No, I don't know if that um, works. <laughs> um, so Aaron asked me. He said, "Hey, uh, what do you? What do you? What's going to be your top four? And I said, "Ah, I'm getting a pedal today." And he's like, "What kind of pedal?" I said, "Ah, I'm going to tell you tomorrow." So I I uh, found a pedal, and I was like, "Sweet, this is a killer deal." And I called the guy, and he's like, "Awesome! I'm I can be here here at this time or at this time." And I'm like, "What works better for you?" He said, "The later time." I said, "No problem." So is this a Craigslist or this is a Craigslist? Okay. So I call him up and I said, "I'm all right. I'm ready." He's like, "Oh man, somebody came by earlier and picked it up." And I was like, you oh. "Dick!" Whoa, not cool, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like that's Craigslist karma. You don't do that. Yeah, if you do, <laughs> you at least call him and say, "Hey, I got somebody here who's, who's going to give me the money right now." Or I just raised the price. I mean, even if it's, it's, I'm not saying that that's a really great idea either, but it's just like, when were you going to tell me that? Like when I showed up at your house? That's yeah. when he was gonna like not cool. take you into the basement and throw you in a. Right. Yeah, he, he, yeah, it's downstairs. Yeah, <laughs> so you, see it? it's in, you see it? It's down in that. Look behind well, that well door. Um, 
climb down into the well. <laughs> yeah. The pedal will be down there. And I, I, I'm not going to lie. I won't tell the full truth here, but I have, um, I've Someone prepared living myself. in your well. I've, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I've prepared ocean. myself uh, on certain purchases in the past. When it was a little bit sketchy, I'll right. just leave it there. Like fight um, your way out of a situation if I'm necessary. Just, I'm just gonna leave it there. Yeah, so, like, certain, certain mentality goes into those deals. Yeah. Um, Are you talking like taking ninja stars with you? <laughs> just in case things get out of control. Something more semi-automatic. Maybe. <laughs> so anyway, ninja star. Now that's <laughs> nice. that would be awesome. Can you nunchucks? Bring, like, yeah. work legal? Can I actually like... wear bandoliers, so yeah. <laughs> that sends a pretty heavy message. Um, I mean, have you guys experienced that? Have you you've been jerked around on that? Let's just say I it's have, always in the back of the mind somewhere. Any Craigslist thing I've ever done ever. It's like, or someone messes with you. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, you, you <laughs> son yeah. of a bitch. Yeah, Tim, what have you, you've had some uh, any bad? Uh, I've Craigslist had a, I've had a whole lot of good luck on Craigslist. That's I don't good. know why I just have and. But there's certain things that you you buy off Craigslist, and there's certain things that you don't. Like I wouldn't, yeah. so I wouldn't sell like a TV and be like, "Come to my place and buy this TV." Yeah, you know. I, um, any you got to be able to meet at a, at a gas station or something. Yeah, and and I mean, even even if not, you know, there's what? if it's musical equipment, most of the time, if it's like pedals or small amps or that kind of stuff, you're mm-hmm. you're just dealing with other people who are in the same boat as you are. So. Yeah, I most I worked it out too. I've got a. Um, a can a can of beans that's an amp so i just bring that i know that sounds like there's no context to that i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm, can of beans. I'm sorry there's what can is of going on I, it's, it's an amplifier it's, I, think. Yeah, like, <laughs> I bring it i keep it in my pantry <laughs> yeah uh, pocket, no it's it's, it's, amp it's you know it's a small can yeah. that's been converted into a in, into an actual amplifier so Sweet. i've used that to test that's how i bought that godan arch top with the p90 in it I pulled that out and he's like, what? That's awesome. And I was like, yep, works. Thanks a lot. See you later. Sweet. No plug necessary. Nice. Are you done? Yeah. Now, well, now I am good with your two items. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So what everybody really paid the high price tickets for today was, uh, to hear from our special guest knob, Tim, um, and I, I want I don't want to butcher your last name, man. Um, it's all good. Okay. Um it's Sicer. Sicer. Which is it's a Sizer. it's a German name. And when District ninety seven was on tour in Germany, I was grilling all the German people, be like, Hey, how do you pronounce my last name? And every single one of them got it right. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah, they were spot on. The pronunciation was perfect. You would hope was, they would be. Yeah. 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 Um, you know. It's the motherland. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, okay. Uh, just a real quick background, like, okay, so why are we talking to this dude? That's probably what everybody wants to know. And, uh, Jeff and I were at a local guitar show and upon stumbling on the low down bass display, we were like, Whoa, what the crap? These are sweet. And, um, and you were uh, really awesome to talk to, so I just put the two and two together. I said, "You need to be on the show." Um, so you know, when Jeff, when Jeff and I were there, Jeff uh, plays more bass than I do. I play a little bit, but he definitely plays more than I do. And um, 
He is a big fan of the exotic woods. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He loves exotic wood, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so he was, he wasn't even listening to me. I was talking to him and he's like, <laughs> um, but man, they were really exceptional instruments. I mean, thank all, you. All over the place. Uh, you had a wide array um, of designs and the, you could, you didn't even have to pick them up and you're like, okay, that's some seriously quality work right there. Um, it is apparent just looking at them, even in pictures. So uh, we contacted you and here you are. And so we're just going to have you talk a little bit about what you do, why you do it, um, et cetera. And then we got a bunch of questions for you. Cool. cool. All right. Yeah. So, so take it away. Yeah. I mean, as I, as I had referenced before, uh, I play and have played uh, for a living since I was probably about uh, 20 years old. Uh, I started playing bass in like junior high because my buddies wanted to start a band and of course nobody played bass, so I figured I'd give it a shot. Uh, and it, I took to it, uh, it just felt natural, it felt like the right instrument. I had failed attempts at saxophone and drums prior to the bass. And uh, so when I picked up the bass, I, I kind of, I used to never practice and I'd still be doing okay in the lessons. So I started thinking something's, something's going on here, I should take advantage of it. So I played uh, through high school, uh, graduated. By that time, I was already gigging a little bit with some people. And for all the older guys, I was asking about going to college for music versus just going out and playing. It was sort of 50-50. So I opted for the cheaper route and the no student debt and just decided to move to the city and kind of start playing. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and uh, I'd always kind of, since I started playing bass, I'd always kind of been into gear and like pedals. I, I really, from a early age, enjoyed like Cliff Burton and like Les Claypool, kind of more like solo bassy guys. So uh, I was always really into the instrument and the gear in that sense. I always did, you know, started doing my own string changes and then started reading on how to do a setup and adjusting your action at your bridge and your truss rod and all that kind of stuff and intonation. And um, probably around. 2007 or 2008 um when i started gigging a lot more i uh was kind of looking for something to do during the day and i started doing some very kind of like basic repair stuff um like pulling frets out of a neck and trying to like turn it into a fretless um you know just kind of minor stuff i went to get an apprenticeship and it didn't work out and i kind of shelved it for a while and just focused on playing so probably about four years ago i kind of uh, th through my uh, problem of what's known as gas or gear acquisition syndrome, um, <laughs> I, I was buying and selling a lot of instruments and gear and stuff on uh, mostly on talkbase.com, which is like an amazing site for that kind of stuff. Um, and I started just getting into gear more and kind of getting into like buying parts and, and kind of trying to put together parts bases. So I had bought this Warmoth uh, jazz bass. It was it's an it was an amazing instrument. It was like a Koa top and back, really nice, nice figure, and like a really nice lightweight swamp ash body. But the guy that had had it before, he was kind of like trying to do the DIY type thing and just did not do a good job. But he was selling it for really cheap, and I could tell the wood alone was worth it. So I bought it, and um, I started asking around town about you know what who should i go to to you know maybe help me out with this and i kind of stumbled upon this guy in chicago his name's carl pedigo and uh he, he goes by the bass doctor um around here so 
uh, I went over to Carl's place and I and I had him do some work on a couple other instruments and then I brought him this Koa jazz bass and I and I told him you know hey man I wanna I wanna I wanna try to like resurrect this thing from the dead essentially I wanted to put a, a music man pickup in the bridge position and there was a J route and you know I wanted to you know strip it it was uh it was just a slab it wasn't contoured so I wanted to like do the belly cut and the forearm contour that kind of basic stuff and then uh, sand it and finish it. And so, we, you know, he kind of was like, ah, you know, I don't really do apprenticeships. I'm not really interested in doing that. And so I was like, okay. And then came back a couple weeks later after doing a little bit on my own, was like, hey, what do you think about this? How about doing an apprenticeship? And yeah, I don't know. I'm not really into apprenticeship, but I can show you this and I can show you that. And that eventually evolved into an apprenticeship. So I had to kind of weasel my way, <laughs> you know, through stubborn persistence to, to getting in this guy's graces. Because I could tell, I mean, Carl's, uh, he's as OG as they come. He's extremely knowledgeable and everybody takes their instruments to him here. So he obviously does something right. And he was actually in the late nineties, he was the floor manager for Lakeland bass guitars. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Um, so he was pretty pivotal in the development and the, uh, application of techniques and stuff that went into making Lakeland's kind of in their heyday when they were the most popular instrument. Uh, for bass players especially it seemed like everybody was picking up lakeland's yeah. left and right so um so yeah he eventually you know i just uh i started to take it more seriously and i started to buy like jazz bass bodies and necks on craigslist or talks talk bass you know and just kind of start experimenting and putting those together and figuring out how to install a bridge and figuring out how to level a fingerboard and, and you know figuring out how to uh, you know, install like tuners and all the all the kind of little things, um, and that eventually uh, led to uh, I had had a I had a bass built by another builder and it was a five string but it had a high C instead of a low B, and I was taking it out to my gigs um, and really loving the high C but I was always missing the low B as well, um, and I just decided well I need a six string I, this is the only way around it it's the the sound that I was hearing was definitely the six string. And I started looking at what it was going to cost to get a nice boutique six-string. Yeah. And I, it's insane the <laughs> amount of money that can go into that stuff, especially custom specifications, custom, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff that I'm nitpicky about. So I, I started looking at putting that money instead into starting low-down bass guitars um, and inve- doing kind of like a personal investment. I sold some gear and just kind of bought a bunch of wood, bought a bunch of hardware and pickups, and uh, bought a bunch of tools over time, and then just kind of started, started, you know, just kind of building. Um, so in the uh, in the early days, it was uh, me working in our guest bedroom of our condo that we had just bought, my wife and I, and uh, I, I tell everybody I had uh, started to have nightmares about her suffocating me with a pillow because. <laughs> I was just, I was just trashing the guest bedroom. I mean, like running a router in there. It's just like, I mean, shooting wood chips all over the bed and just like, it was bad. And I was just like, you know, her mom's like coming into town to visit and we had just moved in and all these people are coming to visit and check it out. And I'm just having a vacuum like all day, every day. So I realized if I was going to finish, I had, this was when I had started some of the builds, some of the ones that I had at the show, but some other ones that I've since sold. Um, and uh, I kind of moved into a rehearsal studio that I was recommended from a friend of mine. 
and I got a room in there and it was on the second floor and in the summer it would be like 80 degrees in there and there was these horrible like punk bands and stuff <laughs> rehearsing around me like in all directions and I'd be you know trying to like zen out and do fret work and it'd just be like a cacophony of sound from 360 degrees of just awful music so I then decided that I could no longer do that and was able to weasel my way into a little workshop space in our building right now so uh, currently I'm just kind of like working here and, uh, continuing to try to crank out instruments at a high level. Um, and just continue to try to like grow the brand and, and kind of get more people aware of what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do. Well, dang, man, you need to, that's a, that's a book right there. And I don't mean in length. I mean, that's just a, well, you probably had to do that many, many, many times. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely. Do you have pictures yeah. of the guest room at its worst? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is one. Uh, this dude had come over to buy this bass, and it's actually funny you mentioned that. And I took a picture of him, like, holding the bass when he took it on delivery, and it was in the guest room, and there's just crap everywhere. <laughs> there's, like, templates in the background and, like, bases that are under construction and, like, parts and tools everywhere, and then a bed. And then there's, like, a bunch of stuff on the bed. and Yeah, it was, it's pretty hilarious. So are you, like, building every aspect of this like the necks um, the, bodies or you like taking pieces and making them your own and customizing them a little bit i had started off doing that like um i bought the for instance i bought a uh, an ash body i don't even remember where it came from but it was a hard ash body so it was uh it was it was pretty heavy and i decided i wanted to try a weird finish thing so i burned all the grain with a creme brulee torch and then took it to my buddy and he did like a lacquer finish on it. So, you know, or like the, the Koa jazz bass I was talking about, you know, I, I modded that a little bit right. so it would have the MM pickup instead of the J and I installed a preamp and, you know, so there was, that was early on, it was customization, but after sort of exhausting the options for, um, uh, made to order necks, I guess right. I decided I was just going to have to do it myself. Um, and really, uh, Carl taught me a lot early on, but I sort of realized I needed to kind of break off and do my own thing and, and try out some of my own stuff. And a lot of that came from just, you know, staying up every night after my wife had gone to sleep and staying up till two in the morning, just, you know, Google searching and talk based searching how to do this and how to do that and just doing an insane amount of research just to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's r really, um, it's awesome because everything you could possibly ever want to know is now at your fingertips. However, so much of it is either completely misinformed and wrong, or it's someone offering you a technique to do a job that uses tools that I may never be able to afford. Yeah, that so, seems like a, the, the hardest part is like a body seems pretty simplistic compared to like a neck to me like a neck making a neck seems like the hardest thing in the world to do because of all the different contours yeah and having yeah. the right tool is going to make that happen or not happen so how does like how does a neck like building a neck itself how do you start going down that path um it's it it started um i i had found out that if you have something called a contour gauge what you can do, it's just essentially, it's like a piece of plastic and then there's just like, I don't know, 500 little tiny pins in it. And so you, you push the pins down onto a neck and what it does is the pins move up through the piece of plastic. 
and then gives you a contour essentially like a measured contour of what the neck is in that position so i through some research i had found a tutorial that this i think it was like a classical guitar guy or something like that had put up online and it was pretty much if you buy a contour gauge uh to try to make this sound simple which it's not at all you can you can take this contour gauge put it on like the first fret put it on the 12th fret and then what you do is you have two pictures of what a neck contour is like and then essentially you trace the contour onto a piece of paper and then measure like a square box around it because when you start with a neck it's just a blank it's just a rectangle so by like comparing where that contour is to the rectangle you get a series of measurements and then you can use those series of measurements to to have a guideline as far as how to start shaping it and you're just so, hand shaping it with like a just with a I use a rasp. It's uh, I got it from hmm. Stumac, but it's a I think it's a Japanese. I think they call it a dragon rasp. Some guys use cabinet maker rasps. Um, some guys start the roundover with a router bit, like a three quarters inch roundover router bit. But I don't. I just want to keep these things uh, as handmade as possible. That's awesome. Um, and I think that uh, I think that there's a noticeable difference when it's all done by hand as compared to when it's done by like a, a CNC machine right. or like getting most of it done plus like a router will tear out the neck sometimes and you end up with chips and gouges right, yeah. and so, so yeah, how long does it take to actually carve out that neck to do an average neck is it like to to, like to do the, the car the carving for me is usually like uh it's usually three sessions it's sort of the first session is um just getting the pretty much the basic carved shape in there the second session would be uh sort of touching it up and then sanding it and then the third session I usually has been after the fact, after everything gets kind of strung up, I, I then do like a final analysis on it. And then based on how it is, I touch it up or I just leave it. So I, it, we're all kind of stymied. <laughs> like, we're looking at your bases, you know, as you're talking and it's just like, it's head scratching. Like it's so much work. Yeah. Like, I mean, seems like we, we can only imagine how much work actually has to go into it, especially when you start to consider aside from like the shape of the body and the shape of a neck, the, f the I think the, th one of the things that impressed me and I, Jeff, I bet you'd echo and jump in obviously, but the, the, the small detail that you had, um, in the, your instruments, um, were really that that's where you got me. I was like, Whoa, this is, this is really something different. This is not like, oh, wow, you used some crazy wood and you stained it or it's a, it's a goofy shape or, yeah. you know, whatever. It's like the little tiny things. Um, and uh, I think one of the most noticeable was um, I, the, the guitar that, that I gravitated to was... I don't. I don't know if, you know, how you name these, but um, yep. it, it, you have... Uh, Larry. This one's Larry. It's called Larry. It answers to Steve. It's Steve. This one's Steve. Um, it was a um, it was a fretless neck, but you had I think the twelfth through uh, however many frets you had on 24th that. Fretless. Twenty fourth. Yeah. Twenty twelfth through twenty four marked um, uh, in in a single line between um, the D and the G. Between the D and the G. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I looked at that. And I was like. This is this is awesome. I don't. It's just it's yeah, it, so cool. It's so special and unique. And that took thought. Someone didn't. I, I think um, when I when I think about you know people who are doing uh, 
custom work, uh, luthiers and stuff that are, um, that are creating new things. There's such a difference between somebody who's doing something with at least an element of original originality versus basically a, a straight copy of something that already exists. Mm-hmm. And I I wonder when I see those, I'm sure that they that they have added elements of quality or added elements of customization. But I have I always wonder. I'm like. What? Do did we need another one of those? <laughs> what makes it so much better? Right. Why is it so much better? I mean, unless you're unless that's the steps that you're taking to learn how to do your own thing. But right, I think that's something that I definitely appreciated. You could totally see your personal uh, voice in these. And this neck was like the thinnest neck I've ever seen on a bass ever. I don't know if it, I don't even know if you know the dimensions off the top of your head, but. Uh, yeah, I mean that one. I just did a little get together in Chicago, and that that bass got a lot of attention, um, especially the neck. And uh, I would say that's the neck carve so far that I'm happiest with, for whatever reason, whether it was the wood I used or just I was having a good day. Um, that neck so far has it has been what I've been happiest with as far as like a, a four string neck goes. Um, and that that bass was a lot of fun. I wish I could take complete. Uh, credit for that uh, dot marker position idea. Yeah. I kind of uh, th- that idea was informed by a, a guy who builds bases out of Canada. They're they're called F bases, and his, I think his name's George Furlanetto mm. or Furlanado. I don't know, but anyway, he he had that, but he just did it with single dots, and I think they may have been all the same size, or they were bigger at twelve and twenty four. Yeah. So I had this this plastic uh, side dot rod material sitting around. And I saw that, and actually, I think maybe where my instruments are a little bit different, especially for them being kind of newer, is the reason I did that is I had had another fretless bass that I had built that I ended up selling, um, and it was this, it was the same fingerboard, what it was a five-string. And I had played a couple gigs on it, and I remember I had always had um, lined fretless basses, so pretty much a slotted fretted fingerboard just filled with a wood veneer line sort of like what Jocko did with his bass Um, and I had always done that because I was a huge Jocko fan as as a bass player when I was younger and I had this unlined bass that I had built just you know for giggles and decided instead of doing lined I was going to keep or I was going to keep it unlined and I was going to put the dots on the side at the fret as opposed to in between like two and three and in between four and five or whatever um and I was playing it, and I loved it. I actually liked it more than playing a lined fretless bass until I got up to the <laughs> upper register. And then uh, there's a thing, it's called parallax, I believe, where you're looking at something that's straight lines, but your angle, as you go up the neck, that, that your sight angle right. uh, yeah. becomes slightly diagonal. Yep. So where you think it is by looking at it, it's actually not, right. and especially as you're looking across a radius fingerboard. So I remember just thinking, you know, what would make this better is if I just had little kind of markers to indicate on the higher strings where my fingers are at. Because on the E and the A, it's not a problem because you're looking at the side dots. But then you get to the D and the G, and it's all of a sudden the parallax kicks in. Mm-hmm. So I I had this dot stock, and I just figured I'd, I'd give it a shot. So I tried to figure out where, because you can't just do it straight up and down because then it'll be crossing over the uh, crossing under the D string because yeah. it's. You know the fretboard is not a it's not a it's not a tube it's a cone, so 
I had to figure out like a set of measurements from the edge of the fingerboard using a four string that I already had and then draw out a line and then make the dots on that line. Tricky and I used, it was very tricky. Yeah. <laughs> and I did like two dots side by side for 12 and 24 and then bigger dots for where the dots would normally be at 15, 17, 19 and 21. Right. And then smaller dots where the in-betweens are. So and uh, I'm I'm super I really am happy with the way it came out. I'll be doing a six string uh, for myself, a six string fretless probably in the near future, and I plan on doing it again for those. So. That's cool. That actually begs a question. Like, um, I think you know most people are familiar with four string basses, and and as you, um, I think you know. No, I've never least, heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> Three see, strings, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We see. Remember we the see band's the, president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that, dude. That's 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 the only bass I ever saw in my entire life. That was the only (laughs) band I listened to. (laughs) So the question is, you know, um, we see it in the guitar world too. It's like, oh, seven, eight strings, you know, and and you know, obviously, there are some basses, and you look at and you're like, okay, that is ridiculous. What's wrong with you? When it's like, and yeah. a two foot wide fret, you know, how how do you play that thing? Wait a minute. Um, do you get a lot of requests for five plus or I should say over five? So six plus, um, I, I really haven't. A lot of people that have, a lot of people that have played the six string that I made really like it. Um, they, most people that I feel like are, are five string players seem to want to gravitate towards that six string. And I think that's, that's good because in, in in making that bass, I'm I wasn't really a six string person, and so my main prerogative with making that bass was to try to make a bass that didn't feel like a gigantic six string. Yeah. So, um, and I think I was pretty successful in that. In and I think a lot of people that play it who are mainly five string players or even six string players, are, you know, I've heard a lot of people say I don't really like six strings, but I like this bass. So, um, I I don't really have to be honest. I don't really have any interest in building like seven and eight string and nine string basses. I, I mean, I'm in the business to sell instruments, but my, my kind of angle right now is um, not necessarily the fully customizable option instrument, but more so the informed from experience of being a gigging musician and bass right. player and sort of saying, I think this is the best tool for the job. Maybe you don't agree with me and I'm willing to tweak specifications for your physical differences. Like I'm six, five and I have, you know, relatively big hands. Um, some guys are five, three and have small hands, but are still bass players. You know, His name is some, Jay Donovan. Jay Donovan. <laughs> some guys, he has some, baby hands. Hey, another Jay small joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, freaking hilarious. <laughs> no, I'm five, five, but I, I don't have the, I don't With have the giant hand. Hands yeah. Like I mean, everybody's, Everybody's different, and some people like to beat the crap out of their bass, and some people like to play with the lightest touch and lowest action possible. So um, there, a lot of, I think a lot of the challenge in doing instruments like this is uh, being catering to your customer and offering a certain amount of flexibility with specifications, but also encouraging certain choices because you know that it's the best choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been a customer before with custom builds and uh, 
So I kind of understand the process from that angle and I try to inform people, you know, with my experiences. You know, I, I to be honest, I, I did a collaboration with a guy named Cliff Boardwell who, who builds bases and I pretty much designed this body shape using some of his pre-existing body shapes and mm -hmm. my own ideas. And it was great and the instrument was amazing. But the, the way that I designed the lower horn didn't allow me to comfortably get up to the top of the neck the way I wanted to. So that was something where I probably should have just trusted his experience as a luthier with his design and said, this is fine, I'll just do that, instead of trying to be so nitpicky and controlling with design and stuff. Mm. So, Well, that, um, that begs a, a good question, uh, which is uh, that, um, I mean, especially as a guitar player, uh, prominent, mainly, um, it, when I see some, you know, when you, when you start to look into the bass world, um, it, it's a little bit of like, what are these guys thinking? Mm -hmm. What is this? What the crap is kind of design and Watch it, Novak. craziness is this? Yeah, well, there's some, yeah. I mean, there's some, for whatever reason, when you, when you, and it, and it could be genre, uh, and induced as well, but there is, there are some crazy design and then you start to get into super exotics and stuff like that. So my question is, um, be, because you're in the middle of that world, um, uh, obviously uh, shape and aesthetic are um, important, but they're they're exaggerated. I would say, um, how did how have you arrived at at some of your uh, choices, and are those choices now staples for you? Yeah, I mean the the body shape I I use is pretty much the body shape that I use at this point in time because of mostly because of ergonomics and, and just design uh, optimization, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, having the horn placed pretty much at the 12th, the top horn placed pretty much at the 12th fret eliminates neck dive. Uh, it helps with balance once you strap the instrument on so ah. you can kind of comfortably play the instrument through the span of the fretboard. Um, with the design on the lower horn, it's about comfortability when you're sitting down, playing it on your, if you were right-handed, playing it on your right leg, like resting kind of along your hip on your right side. Or if you wanted to hold it in more of like a classical guitar position in between your legs, then the lower horn rests on the left side. And I think it switches kind of between those two positions comfortably. Jay just woke uh, up, by the way, right there. Nice. On that one. Oh, yes. oh, what? So... <laughs> Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it's kind of like a, a lot of times, like, let's say when I'm playing six string, I'll do a lot of and once again, I think a lot of these designs are informed from my experience as a player and my preferences. Um, I, I will try to do, you know, more chord melody type stuff. If I'm on a trio gig with a guitar player, maybe I want to fill out the harmony a little bit when he's soloing. Um, so and, and it's not just me, there's a whole slew of bass players before me who have done these techniques and you know, held the instrument in that way because it allows you to get to the upper part of the fretboard mm -hmm. a little bit easier and it shifts your position to kind of being more based around like the seventh to 14th frets as opposed to based around like the first to the ninth frets, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, I mean that it's, it's sort of, it all comes from that. The contouring is something that I take a lot of, uh, I put a lot of importance on. I like contouring to me from an artistic sense as a luthier is one of my favorite things to do because that's when it really starts to kind of mimic, um, like a human body is not squared off. It's all 
there's all these curves and contours. And I think to get an instrument to feel a certain way, you need to kind of like design an instrument with those curves and contours in the right place so that Mm -hmm. when you pick it up, it just feels natural. It feels comfortable. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance, like when I play, I used to have an acoustic bass guitar and I would hold my arm a certain way when I play it to where the hard edge on the top of the acoustic would dig into my arm um because you know i kind of like would drape my arm a little yeah. bit over as it went down to playing position I hate that. so yeah it dri- yeah it, like drives it drives me nuts you, you get done playing after an hour and you look down and there's this crease in your arm you know and so i, I wanted to have a forearm contour on this instrument that kind of um felt a certain way and and kind of you can rest your arm on it in different positions whether you play up more towards the neck pickup whether you play way back on the bridge whether your arm comes down you know, uh, perpendicular to the strings perfectly or whether it comes in at a slight angle. It's kind of like that, that, that contour is trying to accommodate different right, right hand and right arm positions. So it's kind of weird if you think about like, I also how the physical, um, state of things can, can affect your perception of the music. So imagine you playing some like f- jazz fusion with like, a Bo Diddley style body, right? right. Like, <laughs> right. No, no, right. Yeah, and and by would... the same token, playing punk rock on something that it that you know, like one of your bases would probably yeah. look a little ridiculous. Yes, you, it would. Your, your brain would be just like, blah, 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 what? This, yeah, this, what is this? This is not making sense. So yeah. that you know, your styles lend themselves to a little bit more finesse, cerebral and finesse kind of music. Uh, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another something, another something, <laughs> and here's another something for you. I like somethings. Come on. I've got a lot of somethings. Um, uh, and I hear Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's already getting a little steamy right now. Oh yeah. He's oh, like, he knows what's coming. Do I? Yeah. You work with a lot of exotic woods and based off of only four guitars on your current website inventory, I clocked, uh, Claro, well, Claro Walnut, <laughs> yeah. Swamp Ash, Pow yeah. Ferro, Maple, Purple Heart, Mahogany, Basswood, Curly Redwood, Wang, Zet, Ebony, Alder, Flame Maple, Rosewood, and Figured Maple. Yep. All Fif- on one 15, guitar. 15 different <laughs> kinds of exotic wood, all on four guitars, but they don't look ridiculous <laughs> and, and and i and i Thank i'm you. not saying that for a comedic point i'm saying that that is really great design excellent that's good to hear thank you man i appreciate it yeah it's Jeff, uh, Jeff's got to smoke I, I a cigarette mean, now after all that i am i am the i am extremely highly susceptible to wood boner just as much <laughs> as, just as much as anyone else so i i mean i think i'm I'm kind of I have this sort of like hippie-ish nature, I guess, and without getting too like granoly and crunchy, <laughs> it's like I think nature is beautiful and I think the designs that come out of some of these trees, you know, are just like the natural variation in pattern but also symmetry yeah, that yeah. comes out. It's just I think I think it's gorgeous. And yeah. so um but I also think a lot of guys kind of 
take it a little bit overboard too. Well, where, like you said, it's, you, you look at some of the stuff and it's like, this is just obnoxious. It's just difficult to look at. And it looks like somebody like, like a tree threw up (laughs) and then you, you put it on top of your base. So, um, I saw one on Instagram yesterday and a guy was holding up matchbook, um, purple, purple bird's eye maple. And it was like a purple stain in within a, naturally occurring within or something it was just, i was I, I was like what the huh how is yeah. this that's crazy i mean it's beautiful but yeah it's amazing yeah i just uh i i have uh i kind of nerd out you know i i've and it's actually once again here's here's where it's really cool to be doing this in this uh in this day and age of technology is that there are so many little specialty luthier tone wood dealers all over the country, you know, and you can just Google search luthier wood or tone wood, and all of a sudden you've got like 40 reputable dealers, mm-hmm. and you can just go through their inventory online and be like, oh, this is cool, I like this. And then I can close that, I can minimize that window and then open up a window of a fingerboard that I like and look at those two pictures together and get an idea of what it's going to look like in my head before I even buy any of the wood. So as like a, as a consumer right now, it's an amazing time to be shopping for like specialty wood. And in addition to that, I have an amazing lumber yard that's like 20 minutes away from my house. Just that just that. They stock so much awesome stuff. And one of the guys that works there, I just had the first time I went there, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I was just standing in there. I just must have looked scared. I might have wet myself a little bit, and and just and so the police on you. Yeah, they were like, "What is this guy doing? He's creepy." And so I I ended up. This guy comes up and he's like, "How's it going?" I told him, you know, kind of what I was trying to do, and he goes, "Oh, you should talk to Kurt. He's a luthier." And then all of a sudden, I'm introduced to this guy who's like a reputable guitar builder, Um, and he just walked me through the store and was like, "What are you trying to do?" This is what this wood is like. You know, this this wood is great to work with, but it splinters easily. So make sure you wear gloves when you're working with it. Or this stuff's great, but it's really hard to finish. And he just kind of passed all this information on to me at the store. Um, and that's a resource that, that I don't take for granted because not everybody's got that sort of lumberyard or that sort of informed mm-hmm. lumberyard employee. Um, some people go to Home Depot, you know, and that's all that they got. So it's kind of like... Um, I'm very, very lucky right now to be doing this and to have the resources available that I have. What is your uh, favorite part of the build? Ooh, I can tell you uh, my favorite part is probably shaping the body and carving the neck. I like carving a lot, even though it's extremely exhausting. Um, I do all the contours by hand with a rasp as well on the body. So... um, I think shaping the body and getting all the contours and seeing that's when you start to get like cool patterns with the grain and like when you put veneer lines and accent lines between like a top and a body, you start to see the line and how that's going to look. Yeah, I mean, that's my favorite. And if I had to choose a least favorite, it would probably be like soldering and electronics. I just that stuff just drives me nuts. I don't know why. A little more a little more tedious. with the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't I. I didn't have any knowledge of electronics whatsoever prior to doing this. And thankfully, I was playing a steady gig when I started doing this with a guitar player. Uh, we were doing a jazz trio gig, and he's like an electronics whiz. 
he, he like builds his own computers and he used to work at an electronics repair place doing like TV repairs and, you know, so tiny components and tiny soldering and all that kind of stuff. And he just, he knows everything it seems like about electronics. So I would just be asking him questions all the time and going to his place and hanging out and just watching him wire stuff up and figuring out why he's doing what he's doing. So, so, so I got a question. I was looking at some of the pictures, um, that, that Jeff had up on screen and it looked like some of the strings, you had different kinds of strings you were putting on a couple of the bases. And I wanted to know how does that, you know, do you ever start with strings? Do you ever start with like, I want flats on this one or tape and, or how does that, how does that factor in? I, I mostly use rounds, especially on fretted instruments. I mostly use rounds, but there's, um, I, I do have, I put together like a little parts P base. I believe I had it at the show. It was just kind of like a, a traditional P base build. Um, and I've done some like jazz bass and P base builds in the past. I don't really focus on that right now, but still can and will. But, uh, for me, like the P base, you got to have flats on it. It's just, it's just the sound like the the p bass sound to me is like slightly muddy with the tone rolled down a little bit and flats and you dig in a little bit and you kind of get that like james jamerson you know type punch um the the tape wounds i used specifically on that fretless because it had a piezo in the bridge so the bridge saddles were piezos and then it had a magnetic pickup in there we and had a piezo instead of piezo Piezo. 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 That's officially what we're going to do every time that that word comes up. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I was trying to go for more like an upright bass sound with that, with the the piezo piezo. And to me, the the tape wounds kind of really helped approximate that sound a little bit more. Plus, uh, I have the, I had tape wounds on the four string that I had at the show, the fretless one with the dots. And that was mostly because the Wenge fingerboard, or Wenge, however you pronounce it, is really, it's kind of soft for a fingerboard wood. And so the tape wounds don't eat into the fingerboard as much as if I had rounds on there, or even flats. The real question is, have you ever put piano strings on a bass? No, but that is, uh, that's sort of like one of the highest compliments I think you can get as a, as a builder, as a bass builder, is piano-like clarity. So, oh. huh. I think they do that in Brooklyn. Yeah. Put piano strings on bass, and that's because, you know. Uh, Paul, Mc- yeah. Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. It's a hipster move, I guess. Oh, yes. Um, cool. Uh, you guys, uh, I'm looking around. I'm just checking. want to make sure that we're, we're being conscious of your time as well. Yeah. Um, I did have one other quick question. Oh. Um, it's electronic-based. Yes. Um, when somebody comes in and says, hey, I want a new guitar, and I want you uh, to build it based on these specifications that I have. So when somebody comes in and says, do they, you know, I want to, I want a new, you know, bass and, uh, what, how much does the, what they're playing out of go into your, that, that conversation of like, I know you're saying you want this, but you know, you're, you, you're playing out of this and that's going to conflict with what you're asking. Like, like how, how amp- much is you that? Mean like, yeah, yeah, amplifier. yeah. Amplifier. Um, or whatever you use to, to 
Amplify. Amplify. <laughs> amplify. <laughs> well, I, word okay, for amplify. what uh, I mean is like, I, you know, some, I, I guess when I'm thinking amplifier, I'm thinking that is an amplifier sitting there as opposed to you're going through a rack or you're going through uh, your right. computer or a line in or whatever. Right. Um, I would say where that would come the most, uh, the most into play is specifically addressing, do you want an active or a passive instrument? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I know from experience is passive basses sometimes play nicer with electronics, especially with like certain types of fuzz pedals or like certain types of analog mm-hmm. uh, analog pedal circuitry, where the preamp it, it, there's an extra buffer added, and that can sometimes not cooperate as much with your your pedal board rig. Or let's say you run a super complicated rack system setup. Um, Sometimes people that run a lot on that end maybe just want something feeding into that that's just basic basic and passive. And on the same side or on the other side of the coin, someone who maybe just wants to run into an amp and run everything flat may want a preamp on their bass so that if they need to make tonal adjustments on the fly, they don't have to walk back to their amp. They can just make the adjustments on their instrument. So right. um, that's, I would say, if someone were to were to ask yeah like you know how how does that come into play i think those are probably the main factors that as a builder i would say well you might want to go passive because you run into a lot of pedals or you might want to go active because you want to have tone control shape shaping ability on your instrument solid man oh yeah so what kind of uh do you use pedals in your playing or i do straight into Um, amp Tell us a little bit about your rig in general, like what kind of amp you're using as well. So my my go-to rig right now is a MarkBase F1 head and a MarkBase Traveler 112. I have two of the Traveler 112 speakers, so if I'm playing an outdoor gig with maybe not a lot of PA support, I'll bring out the extra speaker. Um, But my, my gear purchasing is mostly informed by portability and quality of sound versus how easy it is to carry six blocks when I have to park six blocks away and walk with my gear. Um, so that's my, I'm just, I've always just been on the hunt for the best sounding lightest weight stuff. Um, and that's actually kind of led me into working with this guy, uh, Michael Arnipole, who's another bass player from Chicago. He mostly plays upright, but also plays electric. And he actually builds his own speaker cabinets um, and so it's uh, his company's Michael Arnipel Soundworks, and we just did a joint kind of venture where he brought out a bunch of his cabinets and a, a new uh, preamp uh, amplifier head that he has, and I brought my bases. So we kind of like worked together to kind of have, you know, because it's good to have bases, but if you have nothing to plug them into, it kind of doesn't make sense. And by the same, you know, same same thing with him, it's nice to have all these speakers, but if you don't have some nice bases to showcase how good they sound, it kind of doesn't make any sense. So we're currently working on a deal where, like an old school barter exchange where I'm going to make him a base. He's going to make me some speakers. And then I'll probably mostly switch over to using his stuff because it sounds amazing and it's even lighter than the Mark Bass stuff. Um, and I do use pedals. I kind of have gone from having gigantic pedal boards to having three pedals on my pedal board. Right now, um, I think I have six. And it's mostly just, you know fuzz overdrive octave envelope filter and then like a a chorus slash modulation effect um i do plan on once i get a break from building a little bit if that ever happens i i plan on kind of 
venturing back into the solo bass territory a little bit and i'm starting to kind of spec out a solo bass pedal board with like that ehx freeze pedal uh like a looper like a ditto looper mm-hmm. and uh carbon i want to get a carbon copy uh uh uh, delay for the kind of mild analog delay reverb sound just to kind of warm up the sound a little bit so that's kind of where i'm at with those that freeze pedal sounds awesome yeah uh, I, yeah that, that's that's really intriguing i have been keeping my eyeball on one of those myself yeah i i i kind of bought it on it actually i got it in a trade and i i I had heard about it and wanted to check it out. I've, I haven't messed with it too much, but I did take it out of the box and play around with it for a couple hours after I got it. And it's a lot of fun to play with because especially on a more of like a solo thing, mm-hmm. you can kind of play a chord and sustain it and then play over it. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it, it allows for some really cool uh, like textural options as a solo player. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. Well, uh, before oh we get gosh, too far so away from your rig, uh, do you play your own basses? Uh, I exclu- yeah, I exclusively <laughs> play my own basses now. Right I on. sold I sold every other bass that I had, uh, mostly to start the business and pay yeah. taxes. But uh, but right now, yeah, all I have at home now are low down basses. So um, I have a five string and a six string that I'm playing mostly. And then, uh, like I said, I'm probably going to try to crank out a six-string fretless for myself in the near future. But, I, I mean, I'm not really one of those guys that needs to have, like, 100 different bases. Yeah. I'm not really a collector. Um, I just want to have a couple really solid instruments that'll that'll satisfy my musical needs. I don't really see the need in having 20 different custom instruments. That I is really, where you and I differ. Yeah, well, and, 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 and I have, I, have I, I need to congratulate and encourage every gear collector to check out Lowdown Basses yeah. because... You need one for uh, every song. That's a right? real thing right now. That's a market, so... Yeah, and I mean, I, this is not a... Pit, like, we are in no way affiliated with Lowdown Basses. Yeah. But, man, legitimately, those instruments, having picked up and held them, listened to them, played them... Like the quality on those is sick. I was so and jealous the price when price is ridiculous. Don't be jealous. Yeah. No, I, when you said in a good way. When you said, yeah. or I saw your pictures on Amazon or Amazon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are other pictures. Uh, but yeah, I'm upselling your bases. Three ninety nine in Instagram from that day you guys were at that yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, just seeing those things, I'm like, what is that? Because you you guys took other pictures as well while you were mm-hmm. there. Took a lot. But uh, it's like, okay, I just want to look at those bases. And having to come into work that day, really, now I'm really sad. I didn't to get to go with us. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We need to make busy. a trip to Chicago. Well, and... anytime. I love Chicago. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Well, and uh, offline, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, all right. Well, hey. Let's be respectful of um, Jay's time since he's always looking at his watch. Oh, um, <laughs> gotta go, gotta go. His, time uh, to eat, his man. Apple Watch time is blowing eat. up. Um, so let's get on to our top four. And this is really kind of the, the base show today. Um, yeah. So let's start off with Jay. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> top, top four. Top four. <laughs> top four topic is. Top four anything. Yeah. Is um, your. Uh, Pickup your your base pickup configuration of choice, and away we go. So I've got two. <laughs> no, I'm just oh kidding. I'm yeah, just do it. I want to hear them both. I might I might actually. 
<laughs> no, I used to have that. Uh, I liked the the PJ that I used to have on this Roadstar 2 bass. You were talking earlier how you can't stand anything from Ibanez. Well, a bass I really actually liked <laughs> that I had was this old 80s Roadstar 2 bass. Uh-huh. And it had the, had the P and the J and you'd roll between them. And I, I kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know why I like that because I could get two different, yeah, it could be kind of like two basses. Yeah, and I was very versatile. And it was the only one I had. Like I had one bass and I could kind of do a couple things. So I kind of like that. The, the alternative option was the last bass I had was the, that P bass, the American P bass with the S1 switch mm. that would, you know, would switch the, the wiring. But it sounded like crap when it, it tried to be like two basses. But really, I mean, the P bass sound, sounded awesome. But when you would press the little switch and go to, uh, I guess, to uh, it's like a split not coil series, when you yeah. go to parallel, I guess, then it, it's like it was trying to be a J, but sound like a J, but it mm. just didn't. Mm. So those are kind of two sides of the same. So really, attempt. you like one? <laughs> yeah, but Let me but I tried two things, and one was <laughs> right. Better. But your choice is one. Yeah, but variety is spice. Of life. Yeah, I just wanted to say two things just to make you because <laughs> you did earlier. So I just threw that in. <laughs> Mission accomplished. All right, Aaron, what do you have? Uh, there was this time back in like '97, uh, the old string shop here in Columbus. Uh, I was I would go there a lot because I was going to Ohio State and it's like right across from campus and I fell in love with this um, Ernie Ball Music Man Stingray Five HH. So basically, that's the the two Ernie Ball uh, humbuckers. Mm. Uh, and so the nice thing is, obviously, you could kind of switch back and forth and get. Uh, it was a five-way switch, so I mean, you could get a lot of different tones. It's like out twenty of it. pounds of magnet in that thing. I know yeah. that bass weighs a metric ton. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, I'm still, I still love that bass, uh, and I will get one. It's angry looking. And uh, th- this, this one that I had, or I really fell in love with, was uh, sort of a, a really warm burst with a white pickguard and white pickups, and mm. the thing was just hmm. gorgeous. Meow. Mm. Nice. <laughs> the string shop yeah. was awesome, except you might get like robbed in the alley. When oh yeah, you were, when you were trying to oh, park yeah. there, the yeah. at your own risk. Other than that, it was a great place. <laughs> uh, Jeff. Yes, I what? have. I have two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Actually, since I've been debating about getting a new base at some point, since I need to, I feel like I need to upgrade. I've been trying to spec out what it is I would like. So. Mm. Hey, I know a guy. You know a guy? Yeah, I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he does short-scale basses. Not that I need one or want one. Well, you don't have baby hands. I do have baby hands. <laughs> hey, the fingers are fleet. <laughs> baby hands make you uh, what? nimble. I don't, I don't have baby hands. He's popular with the ladies. Everybody's different. <laughs> um, so far, I've been drawn to the, uh, the jazz style. With uh, two active pickups. Okay, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you Thanks you're for the hook. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. He likes it. I, I now I'm just. He likes I, I second. Really. <laughs> I second what he says. <laughs> Only because it seems like to from what I've witnessed thus far is that you can get such a range of tones through that combination. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Who Tim? Uh, on the JJ setup, 
as far as most versatile pickup setup? Uh, I would have to say, if I'm going to go with a if with a four, which I can easily do four. Um, my favorite is a dual coil on the bridge and a hum canceling single coil on the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like a riff on the jazz bass, but mm-hmm. more of like a modern jazz bass sound, I guess. Uh, and then after that, it would just be like the straight jazz bass. I do like hum canceling because I like to be able to favor one side or the other and not have, uh, the, the, the hum. Yeah. Um, I do like just the old P just the, the standalone P on its own. I think there is something special about that. Um, and I guess if I had to choose, a fourth it would probably be the music man pickup sort of notched towards the bridge a little bit and then a regular jazz that's sort of like a, another riff kind of on the jazz bass uh design so yeah i'm i guess i'm kind of a jazz bass guy at heart yeah so you just picked four i did yeah then he went back you, to one then he went back to one so your favorite <laughs> yeah so yeah i guess i guess it's just pretty much jazz bass <laughs> okay <laughs> Variations on a theme, really. There you go. So I have one and a half. Oh, come on. Um, well, because I, the, the half is because I don't know if I like <laughs> it, but I'm intrigued by it. So first, I really like a P-Bass. Just give me the P-Bass. Like, straight up, I'm, yep. I'm more of a rock guy, so like I, I, I like that. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm intrigued by all the other ones, but there's just something, like you said, there's a, there's a something there oh yeah je ne sais quoi yeah exactly yeah he he got it the mojo exactly um now yesterday i was on craigslist and i spotted a pretty sweet dan uh, electro (laughs) 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 no um there was a there was a uh you guys are killing me today one more time (laughs) there was a fender uh, Squire, <laughs> I'm trying to say this fast so you can't interrupt me. There's a Fender Squire um, uh, vintage modified um, on Craigslist, and it was a silver body. It was an offset, like the Jaguar style. And it's, I mean, I lo- I think silver guitars are just freaking cool, right? But what I was intrigued by was that it had that, uh, like that Ernie Ball style pickup, the big soap bar with the giant poles and everything, mm. in the bridge. And then the whole pick guard from there on up, there was nothing, mm-hmm. but it had four knobs. And I'm like, wait, what, <laughs> what is going on here? Now, my thought was that would be sweet to drop a P, a P pickup in the right in the pee, middle. Pee. A P pickup. <laughs> <laughs> Did it look like this? That's okay. We have a picture of a. Pee pee. <laughs> right now, we draw the dry erase board. Um, but uh, anyway, so I haven't. I don't know that I've heard that configuration, but I was very intrigued. And for the price, I was like, I could pick this up for 150 bucks. Throw 100 bucks at least into into uh, uh, pickups, and yeah. this, and I would have a totally original thing here. Oh yeah. Does that sound like it is a good thing or a bad thing to you? <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of like, it's actually a pretty, I know, you know, it's more of a bass nerd topic, but there's a pretty heated debate about the P pickup with the MM, like the Music Man yeah. type pickup. Because, so the, everyone loves the Music Man and what they call the sweet spot, which is not quite where like a jazz bass bridge pickup is. And mm-hmm. it's not quite where a P pickup is. It's sort of in between. Yeah. 
Um, but in order to get the P pickup and the Music Man pickup in the sweet spot, the I think it's the the bottom part of the G and D string on the P pickup overlap with where the top oh. part of the MM pickup is. Hmm. So generally, when you see people do two pickups in like that, in whether it's a P and a Music Man or a J and a Music Man, mm-hmm. the the Music Man pickup is like bumped back towards the bridge a little bit. Yeah, this was way back. Yeah, so some people like that sound because it's really punchy and kind of like staccato-y and growly. Yeah. yeah. But um, but uh, it kind of is not necessarily the true music man like right. sound because it has to be more towards the neck right. for it to be there. But Sounds but yeah, like, I've seen uh, I've seen people do it sort of like what you're saying where the 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 big pickups kind of in the bridge position and then the P pickup more and where a traditional P pickup would be. Yep. Yep. And then you're, yeah, then you're kind of like getting into the, it's sort of like a modified P, J configuration, yep. uh, but with a little more power at the bridge pickup and maybe some more like switching options if you You're making me want to do this right now. Yeah, man, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a facilitator of gear acquisition syndrome, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like we need someone that could build a new type of pickup. Uh, yeah. For yeah, oh, I, Brandon, yeah. That could yeah. combine something together to work. Yeah, in both situations. Interesting. Yeah. Might be something there. There. Might be. I yeah yeah. It's a, it's the it's kind of like the holy grail is can can anyone make a pickup that does the P pickup and the Music Man pickup kind of all in one in that sweet spot. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh yeah. Now, now my brain is one is going crazy. Yeah, because I I might have a little bit of stuff to burn on that oh man i'm gonna get myself into trouble <laughs> call it call the yeah. baby hands pickup the baby hands baby hands pickup <laughs> hands pick up. I like that it's small enough to fit together in the sweet uh, spot well hey man we're gonna uh we're gonna let you go um feed your cat or whatever right now <laughs> if it's still alive back there no, um, that's a, yeah, they need they they get fed in a half an hour. They can wait. <laughs> it's it's uh, we've had a, a heck of a good time talking to you. Yeah, um, yeah thanks for having me, man. I, I really love appreciate it. getting people like you on. I always learn so much. I know that we always uh, are thrilled with the conversation that we have, and um, I'm, I'm just I'm really happy that we met you, and I'm sure we'll continue our conversation moving forward. And um, Get the plug in. What's the what's the website? Yeah, plug your yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's uh it's net. So I, I had to go the dot net route because dot com was taken by some like uh like uh subwoofers in the trunk type Aww. situation. Ooh. So yes, net. And then I'm also on Instagram, uh lowdownbase. Uh, I don't remember if it's basses or bass guitars. You guys have it in front of you. This is bad. I just changed it. <laughs> well, oh, we'll f- people will find it. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram too, Lowdown Bass, and then uh, also on Facebook, Lowdown Bass. So, right. yeah. And there's a ton of great pictures on, on your Facebook account. Yes. yes. So, all right. Well, hey, thanks a lot again, and we'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you, guys. See you, Tim. Baby hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs. Please join us on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar knobs and tell us what you think and share your stories and guitar stuff along with ours. You can also find us at twitter.com forward slash guitar underscore knobs and also at our website at guitarknobs.podbean.com.